Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, hour number two. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent, day number one of his uh, summer vacation. He'll be back next uh, Wednesday. Brian Walton momentarily, thecardinalnation.com. Chris Williams in 15 minutes or thereabouts from Cyclone Fanatic. We'll take a look at the Cyclones roster. Again, thank you to uh, the Big Ten Network for that uh, audio of Kirk Ferentz as he met the media in Indianapolis as Big Ten Media Days continue on. Let's get right to Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com as we kick off the second hour of the program. Brian, Ken, thank you as always for doing this. How are you, Brian? I'm doing great, thank you. Thanks for having me on, as always. Well, I appreciate you coming on, because when I heard the... Uh, the well, you know, I plan on giving you a week off. I just had you. Uh, but when I heard that uh, John Heyman, I think, was first to uh, put, put this out there, not saying that it's going to happen, uh, but he believes, and a number of other national baseball media are starting to also believe, that the likelihood that the Cardinals are going to be major players is one in the Juan Soto sweepstakes is something that shouldn't be overlooked. What are you hearing, Brian? Is there a chance that Soto becomes a Cardinal? Hey, there's always a chance until there's not. And, you know, this is an interesting situation because a lot of Cardinals fans can flash back to the Nolan Arnato situation where, uh, again, it was a situation where when he was in Colorado, he looked like an excellent fit for the Cardinals, but the Rockies weren't ready to pull the trigger right away. And so if Soto's not traded in this next week by the trade deadline, and the Nationals aren't, you know, up against the wall to do so, they have his services for over two more seasons still. So, you know, this could go on if the Nationals don't get the kind of package they want in the next seven days. If indeed it is going to be the Cardinals, look, he's not going to come cheap wherever he goes, right? And I know that, you know, when I watch this Cardinal team, I'm, I'm starting to really take a liking to a guy like a Nolan Gorman, for instance, right? I would have to think that if Washington is going to talk about Juan Soto, Gorman has to be included in every conversation. Is he, in your mind, the, the first guy that, uh, uh, that the Nationals would, would ask about if indeed they do get to the point of t- discussing trade? Well, I like the position third base. Obviously, now Nolan Gorman's a second baseman, but he's only a second baseman because of Arenado. Um, the guy that is the number one prospect in the Cardinal system is in the top ten prospects nationally, uh, playing very well at double-A is Jordan Walker. Mm. And we're talking here about a young man who's just 21 years old and is an exceptional talent. Looks like he's going to be a, a major league player for a long, long time. And, you know... Uh, Katie Wu of the of the Athletic, who's a very knowledgeable, good writer, you know, put together her proposal based on the value of players. And the players she threw out was starting right fielder Dylan Carlson, along with Walker, Mason Wynn, the number two prospect in the system, a shortstop, and outfielder Alec Burleson, who's also in the top ten and is in AAA and ready to go. So, you know, it's going to hurt the Cardinals' system and their depth badly to give up the players necessary to get a Soto and. I, based on my experience, I just don't feel like they're going to have the appetite to do that. I could be wrong, but, you know, a lot of people are talking about it because on paper, again, the Cardinals have the kind of players that could 
fetch Juan Soto, but I'm just not sure they're going to pull the trigger on it. Interesting. You know, the Nationals as well, a guy that they want to throw in on any trade apparently uh, is is Patrick Corbin, who's just having an awful year, right? And uh, I'm not sure how long his contract is, but I know it's probably more uh, than his results say he should be worth. With this, with the Cardinals having the problems with their pitching staff, see that as injuries. Does that make sense that they'd be willing to take Corbin if he is a throw-in in this deal? Take him and his salary, um, and, and then we'll and then we'll we'll talk turkey with as, as far as Soto. Yeah, I think I think that it'll all it would depend on what the Cardinals scouts see in Corbin. Do they see the potential for him to be turned around with a change of scenery, different coaching, maybe some different directions in terms of what pitches he throws? You know, would throwing to a Yadier Molina make a difference, for example? Um, but I think the big factor would be how much of his salary. I believe he's under contract two more years after this year. Uh, how much of his salary would the Nationals take on? Because if the Nationals pay all of his salary, you could bring him in, and if he fails, you release him, and you're you know you're not out any money. So I think it would get down to you know how badly do the Nationals really want to get rid of Patrick Corbin? Uh, back to Soto. So you don't? Is it fifty fifty in your mind, or is it less than that? Is it thirty seventy that uh, that Soto's a Cardinal? I'm I'm sorry to say this, Ken, but I wouldn't give it ten percent off. Really? I just I really I just really I mean the Cardinals their whole strategy is to develop players uh-huh. from within, have them at low cost, and have them through their productive years. And to give away to give up the kind of players they're gonna need for him when their real need is pitching. The Cardinals That's offense true. is already among one of the better offenses in the league. Now, granted, Soto's a generational player, he's a once in a lifetime, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well we heard that about Bryce Harper too. There are a lot of good players over time and Soto is certainly one of them. But defensively, Soto is a below average outfielder. There's no doubt about that. Cardinals are a team that prides himself on defense. Mm-hmm. Do you want to bring in a Soto for a couple years and hope that the Scott Boris client will sign with the Cardinals long term and that he'll continue to stay motivated and play hard for 10 or 15 years. A lot of questions. You know, I, I don't know if you saw Sunday Night Baseball this past week, but Buster only brought it, that I'm not, and I'm not going there because I'm not buying it, but he brought up that, uh, that Juan Soto at this point in his career, the only comparison he could make with uh, as far as a young uh, burgeoning superstar being traded was Babe Ruth. Maybe tap the yeah, brakes a little a, bit. That's quite, you know, that's quite a comparison. And you know, the difference, of course, in Babe Ruth's days was players that's were tied to an organization yeah. for their entire career. And you know, today's world, after two years, Soto can become a free agent. Scott Boris has a well-known track record to bring his guys to the market. And you know, if I were the Cardinals and I were testing the waters, I would find out what the appetite is on their side for entertaining a long-term deal, uh, because you don't. Spend that kind of mo- that kind of money in terms of players, that kind of assets to get a guy for a short period. You want him to be on your team for a long, long time. And we heard rumors of the Nationals having offered Soto fifteen years, four hundred and forty million, mm-hmm. and having him turn that down. Do the Cardinals want to give anybody half a billion dollars? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a massive, massive. I just think he wants out of there. That's why he turned it down. All right, let's let's move on from that, Brian. We saw Mats. I mean, this was a, this was one. This almost felt unfair uh, with the, with the injuries. Obviously, Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, likewise. Mats is a guy that I, I thought he was good last year, and the Cardinals did as well because they they paid him to come over and be that guy with them. What's the prognosis here? So they are down starters in a big, big way. Trade deadlines, what, a week from today? Um, yep. What happens, Brian? 
Well, you know, Steven Matz, like you said, it was just such a deal. I mean, his first start back from the injured list, seven strikeouts, pitching very good baseball, and then there was a fluke play where he tried to field the ground ball and tore his uh, MCL in, in, in his knee. And this is – we haven't heard yet whether there's going to be surgery. We probably know that today. But mm-hmm. either way, Matz, you can't count on him for the rest of the year probably. Uh, Flaherty, the shoulder is, is out. Uh, we saw Dakota Hudson. He's pitched well in spurts, but he hurt his neck, and now he's trying to come back. It just made the situation that the Cardinals were in being short of starting pitching even worse. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to do like they did a year ago where they, you know, grabbed veterans at the end of their careers like the John Lester's and Jay Haps and like, or whether they're really going to go for it and try to get some guys that can throw some strikeouts and, and go deep into games. Uh, the other thing, Brian, we'll get you out of here on this, and um, uh, is the fact that the, the Cardinals are north of the border, uh, and if you're not vaccinated, you can't get in, uh, and they're two superstars uh, in Goldschmidt and Arenado did not. And look, I'm not going to preach. Um, I wish everybody would, but I know that that is absolutely not realistic. They didn't. They can't get into the country. Uh, we saw the Royals go through this about a week ago, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, they had a four-game set, maybe going into the All-Star break, wasn't it? And they lost the Thursday. Uh, they, they they hammered Toronto in week number one before giving up the last three. Might this team just come together? You know, and um, we, we've seen it before in all sports, right? When it's next man up type of mentality. They split with Toronto when they played them earlier this year. The Blue Jays are playing well. How big of a, a loss and can they overcome not having their starting first and third baseman uh, for this two-game set? Boy, it's a tough order, Ken. And, and by the way, this issue on the you know not being able to enter the country, that also applies to the U.S. That's so true. even if they could have left the country, they wouldn't be able to get back into the U.S. So this is an issue that's bigger than Canada. Um, this is an issue. And by the way, all the Blue Jays players are, yep. in fact, have received the vaccine because they have to travel back and forth between Canada and U.S. every week or two. So, But anyway, the Goldsmith and Arenado made their decisions, um, and it's going to be very, very difficult for the Cardinals' offense that got shut out in their last game against Cincinnati, uh, you know, to to be able to score enough runs to win in Toronto. They need good pitching, and, you know, they haven't been getting it lately. So, you know, anything can go, obviously, in two games, and it is only two games. And Goldschmidt, you know, let's not take away the fact that he's the reigning uh, player of the week in the in the National League. You know, he's been helping to carry this offense, and, uh, you know, th- that those losses hurt. There's no doubt about it. Brian, I was hoping that you would come on and say it's a done deal. Soto's going to be a Redbird. That would have been great for that division. Uh, you don't think it's going to happen, and I uh, tend to um, follow your lead when it comes to all things St. Louis Cardinals. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Ken, and I hope I'm wrong. And I do, too. See you, Brian. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. All right, time for another $1,000 home. That shed happens. And welcome back to Moines Sports Station. If you missed it, the keyword in the 11 o'clock hour at KXNO.com is bank. Bank, KXNO.com, your chance to win $1,000. There was a $1,000 winner in the building uh, yesterday during afternoon drive, but down the hall on WHO, Simon Conway uh, had a winner on his program. So bank at KXNO.com. As promised, we're going to uh, move away from the Big Ten. We'll get back to there tomorrow, but going to talk some Cyclones right now with my friend Chris Williams. Cyclone fanatic, uh, he joins me. Hello, Chris. How are you? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing Great well. Great dad mode. If you hear Peppa Pig, I apologize. <laughs> 
No, I'm listen. one on two right now. Zone I, defense. I get it. I'm uh, and anything to accommodate you making this work for us. So, are you spending <laughs> more time on realignment or more time on the 2022 football team? Oh, realignment. Yeah, not even close for me. I mean, I yeah, I, the the football stuff is. You know, I kind of have people that do that on a day to day basis mm-hmm. now. But the realignment deal for me is like, you know, I've been. Believe it or not, like you and me have been doing this together for 20 years now. You longer, obviously, but that's kind of when I came around. And you kind of, you know, you develop your sources and relationships. And then you can really, it, it, it's hard to just be like, hey, um, to a guy who's been in the business for four years, um, cover realignment, right? It's just, yeah. it doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, yeah, as far as that goes, like, I mean, I would say, Right now, for me, it's Cyclone Fanatic. It's 50% of my time is on sponsorships and stuff for the upcoming season. We're launching an app. That takes forever. That's difficult. But as far as coverage goes, yeah, it's all realignment for me. Because it's just, you have to sift through all the BS, and you have to have the ability to do that, and, and that takes a lot of time. You know, there's a couple of guys that uh, that I lean to uh, when it comes to the Pac-12. I've always followed John Wilner on Twitter. I think he's one of the deans uh, of, yep. cover, of covering that conference. Uh, John Canzaro, I believe I'm saying his last name right, is another guy who's been in the business a long time. He used to be at Notre Dame. Man, Chris, they have a... And, and maybe it's where I'm sitting in, in Big 12 uh, country here. And obviously we get the uh, the, uh, the Big 10 connection as well. But they are bullish on the, the Pac-12 that they think there's no way that um, uh, that they will fall behind the Big 12. I'm not so sure they're going to be proven right on this one, Chris. Especially when you lose uh, the two L.A. schools in Washington and Oregon. They're going to want more money than the other schools if there is a media uh, a contract that comes their way. Um, when, when you read those guys, what they're putting out there, how different is, are what they're putting out of what you're hearing? Considerably, I think. you got to realize, too, like we all talk to different yeah. – I'm always trying to figure out, like, oh, who, who do I think that guy's source is? You know, and then you, you kind of go from there. I mean, I'll tell you right now, like, my sources are not Jamie Pollard. <laughs> I think a lot of people would, like, assume that. It's not. Jamie doesn't talk about any of this stuff. Like, my sources are all in media companies, in the industry. I mean, that's that's really where I think most of the good information comes from. Because let's say you are a media guy located in Oregon well, right now you're going to get a very skewed stance, um, you know, if you're just talking to people at Oregon or Oregon State. The Oregon State people are going to be very bullish on the Pac-12 because they want positive headlines. They're trying to survive. You know, in Oregon, you know, it, it seems like, um, you know, they're really wanting to be like the, the big dog out there right now. So, like, you you got to look at it through the different lenses. And that's where it's like, for me, like with the Big 12, there's really not a lot of mixed signals right now because you have all these schools together that are really in the same spot. Nobody wants them other than, like, you know, right, it's the sum of the whole for them. For the Pac-12 is kind of going through this for the first time right? where they remind me of what the Big 12 was 10 years ago mm-hmm. with the infighting and stuff like that. So it's just... I'm not saying those guys are wrong. Um, I'm sure that they are hearing a lot of that stuff. But I can also tell you from doing this through 
a lot of turmoil in the Big 12. I mean, there's so many times where, you know, people will say something because they almost, they have to. It's the thing to say at the time. And I'll also say that a lot of times, like, this stuff's happening above the athletic directors. And unless you're on the phone with the school president or a commissioner, which is really tough to do, you know, you're not saying that athletic directors don't know. I guarantee you the football coaches don't know. Right. Uh, you, you know, everybody's like, oh, Lincoln Riley knew this when he went to USC. <laughs> no, he didn't. I promise you. Uh, he had no clue. Um, it just, that's the one thing about the Big 12 is that they're all in the same spot. The Pac-12, I could see a lot of misinformation being dealt out over there. And the reason I know that is because that's happened to me before in the last 20 years. Uh, As far as their television contract, Chris, I don't think that they can make a move correct me if you think I'm wrong, uh, until the Big Ten sorts sorts their media rights out, which may be, you know, as soon as sometime next week. Uh, Kevin Warren was on the stage today in Indianapolis. He says that it's it's not a done deal yet. But but how can any conference, whether it be the Big Ten or the Pac-12, or, or the, the Big 12, rather, or the Pac-12, make any decision about their media contract until we know what's left? You know, what isn't snatched up by the, uh, by the Big Ten? Can they move without knowing? that i don't think so i mean the only way i think the pac-12 could do that they're in this exclusive negotiating window with espn and fox right well i mean by all things that we we think we know fox isn't interested in a deal and so like to me can the only way the pac-12 could get anything done is if they take some sort of lowball offer from espn i don't think espn is going to overpay for this thing the one thing I don't understand, there's a lot of information out there about, well, you know, um, the Pac-12 TV times are so valuable, and there's no doubt about that. But those games are going to happen if they're in the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Right? They're going to be able to get that inventory. So, you know, it comes down to it from an ESPN standpoint. Like, uh, unfortunately, again, I've I've been through this, recently covering the big 12 and i'm not a i'm not a big like i don't want to see washington state and oregon state kick to the curb like that's to me that's that's bad i don't Mm -hmm. i don't want anything to do with like relegation in college football but if you're an espn executive and you're like well we can move these six teams from the pac-12 to the big 12 and then we can just cut the rest and we don't have to pay for them anymore well you're probably saving you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. So you have to think of it that way, like that. You can still get access to Oregon State football, but you can, instead of paying them $25 million a year, maybe you're paying them three because they're in the Mountain West now, and that game's going to be – or you just let it go. It's on CBS Sports Network, and hell, we'll put Oregon and Texas Tech on at 1030, right? Like there's a lot of ways around it. that uh, That's how I see this going. Uh, and uh, I, again, I think it's unfortunate because I, I've been to Corvallis on game night. Really awesome. Like there's <laughs> really good people and economies and businesses and stuff that are really going to hurt if this thing happens. But it's it's the consolidation of college athletics. Unfortunately, that's the right way I see it going. Yeah, I hate I hate that aspect of it as well, Chris. Do you think that there's a chance? That whatever we come, whatever we, the third conference is, or if there's a third and a fourth, might we see, I'm not saying Tuesday and Wednesday night football, but might we see the, the networks, 
uh, look, we're paying you a lot of money. We need we need you guys to play more Friday nights or more Thursday nights. Might we see Big Twelve uh, schools, whatever that conference looks like, or if it's the Pac twelve, whatever that conference looks like, may we see them in more non traditional spots due to demands from the networks? Absolutely. I mean i I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing pretty strongly that the Big Ten is either going to have Apple or Amazon on in some capacity. Probably Apple, from what the last conversation I had was. I mean, look at what Apple's doing right now with Major League Baseball, where you you put this one exclusive game. Like, why? Like, put a put a freaking Purdue Northwestern game on Thursday night exclusively on Apple TV, where you have to have a seven ninety nine subscription. Big Ten fans will pay for that, you know. And I, I'll take it another step further. The one that the the saving grace for the Big Twelve, they're going to have a streaming partner in some capacity, but it's going to be CBS or NBC because mm-hmm. these are two entities that don't want to. I I, I mean, like, think about if you're CBS, Ken, you lose the SEC, you're not going to get the Big Ten. Right. You don't want the Pac-12 because it's down to these ten schools, and like CBS isn't going to be putting games on at 9.30 on a Saturday night. The Big 12 is really your best option. And, like, like what what plays well? It's, it's live sports. If you put Oklahoma State and Baylor on Thursday night on CBS, that would draw a huge number. Like, I know it's going up against the NFL, whatever. Or you put that on a Friday night, like, that, those would draw mm-hmm. really big numbers. Put it on CBS Sports Network, and maybe uh, the reach isn't as good, but if that, if that game draws a million people, like, that's that's a win. Ten times what you would have had at that slot. So there's real value there. Yeah, so I absolutely think that's where we're going. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Chris Williams, Cyclone Fanatic, is our guest. So, Chris, I'm assuming that um, that all this realignment stuff has got you very busy writing. Where are, is this? Um, I know you guys have introduced. It's been a while now. A subscription service. Talk uh, talk about that if you would. Yeah, I mean, I, I did this. It kind of we we launched it during the pandemic because. Overnight, all of our revenue disappeared like everybody else in the yep. country, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like you. It's like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Right. Everything changed. And it, we had been doing a, a, subscript, a premium type deal where it was more like, hey, um, we've been free forever. If you want to contribute, this is helping us, you know, pay Scott Christofferson to podcast, like that type of deal. But, you know, more and more, I have found that. You know, the real value for me is not covering a Matt Campbell press conference. It's using my connections and my sources. And a lot of that information you can't just put on Twitter. It's super sensitive. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm writing probably 90% of my realignment stuff is behind this paywall. And it's not really, it's not like, oh, we have all this exclusive stuff, but it's, it's really good stuff. Like it, it, it really is. And it's not. You can't just throw it out there on Twitter to be retweeted by, you know, a hundred people who have motives. So yeah, that's that's where I'm spending the majority of my time. It's grown. We have our own little community back there now. It's a it's a we call it the premium message board, but what it does is it kinda, you know, sifts out the trolls and stuff as well. Mm. And a lot of these guys like it to have their own like you know, you can you can post about Gabe Kalsher's 
game and not have a Iowa fan come and troll you, right? <laughs> like, and I think a lot of people like that, the exclusiveness to it, like that. Chris Williams is our guest. Uh, so I'm guessing that uh, somebody, just real quick on basketball, um, Stansbury, has he got the Omaha Baloo ready uh, article ready uh, to, to go tonight at 7.05 <laughs> yeah. when he commits? Yeah. We're ready. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the system. I already checked. Uh, Jared had it ready to go at 8.30. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, a huge get. You know, like, it, I'm not jumping to conclusions at this point, assuming that goes the way we all think. Yeah. He's going to have a top five class. <laughs> It's unbelievable. I mean, it'll be top five for sure. They could be like top three even, depending. Like Duke is going to be number one. But, you know, assuming the numbers lay down, I mean, they, they could. they they could Don't don't take this to the grave. There's a chance that they could have two McDonald's All-Americans at Iowa State this year. That's bananas. I mean, I knew he could recruit, but we're finding out he's a pretty good coach, too, with what he did last year. Good for, good for him. Chris, I want to get to the roster. I want to talk about this the the, the, uh, uh, the 2022 Cyclones. Earlier, I think it was last week, uh, you asked all of – uh, you you put your opinion out there, and it's I think the question was, and I'm paraphrasing. Correct me. Uh, which cyclone returning are you looking forward to taking the biggest step, or something along there? And I know it was Stansberry and you and Bloom uh, and one other um, of your guys each came up with Woody. their. Who was it? Oh, Jeff Woody. Jeff Woody okay, good. Um, yep. I stopped reading when I got to Brent Bloom because he's got the answer right, and, and he said Bo Freeler, which is which was uh, going to be my answer to that question as well. I can't wait to see this kid. I saw enough of him as a freshman. And oh my gosh, they've really got something in him. Um, but those are the type of players that I want to talk to you about, right, guys? We saw a little bit last year that we yeah. think are about to take a major step forward this year, and they're going to need to uh, because there's opportunity there for him. What was your answer? Um, I would have to go back because we've, we've done like five of these, but I'm pretty sure I said Hunter Decker. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, listen, like, Bo is a, you're right, a perfect answer. He's a, the, the thing that people don't realize too, and this isn't, I promise this isn't like a talking point for the program, but it, there's actual like numbers. Like, he was starting to take snaps from Ishim Young mm. about halfway through last season. And, I think Ishim would have left for for other reasons, anyways. But the the reality is that, yeah, Bo was he was in the right place at the right time. And the dude will come up and hit. You know who he reminds me of a little bit um, is I, 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 he plays a lot. Like the, I think the best defensive player I've ever seen in our state is Bob Sanders. That's just my mm-hmm. my opinion. He comes up and hits you like that, right? And Ishim did that a little bit too, but. Bo, and God forbid Iowa fans don't start tweeting me about that. I'm not saying he's the next right, Bob Sanders, right. but that's the type of he guy He was defensive me. player of the year in the NFL one year, so. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. But, like, I, I'm, I'm complimenting Bob. He's the best player I think mm-hmm. I've, I've seen, maybe with Greenway, um, would be up there, and Abdul Hodge was pretty good for a while. But, um, yeah, so that, that's a deal where I don't even look at it. Like, it's you know what's fascinating? You lose Ishim Young. He was not. I, I was with Matt Campbell for four hours in Dallas the other day. He was not asked about Ishim Young's departure one, huh. which is wild. Like that's an all Big Twelve type of guy, but it shows you, you know, how good the guy coming up is. I, I, I put Deckers though because this is a, this is a deal where 
it reminds me a little bit of the Hoiberg era where, okay, you lose, you know, Niang, like it's over, right? And then they kind of figure out somebody else to come in there and, and pick up the slack. And that's kind of where I feel like they're at with a quarterback based off of what these people are telling me. Like, it doesn't seem like false hope with the Hunter Deckers thing to me. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson does a podcast for us, and he's told me a couple times, like, he thinks that he'll have a career year because of the type of routes he's mm. going to get to run, stuff like that. So that's exciting to me. Like, I'm I'm excited to see a little bit more of an opened-up offense. They haven't been bad on offense. They've been really good by Iowa State standards and nationally. I mean, you had Brees Hall and Brock's the best quarterback, you know, statistically in the history of the school. But, like, this is a totally different type of guy. And, again, like, I haven't heard a single – like, I, I, my big thing, Ken, when the season ended, I'm like, okay, are you guys going to go get a transfer quarterback? And the answer was unequivocally no. Like, this is our guy. Like, we're that confident here. He's going to take the snaps. He's the most, he's the most um, important player on the team, being the position that he plays. So to me, like, yeah, I'm locked in on the quarterback, man. That's the one I'm watching on game one. Uh, if you have to go change Peppa Pig, feel free to do so. If, you're, if you have <laughs> We're to good. I, I actually just came into my closet. It's good. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, so just back to the quarterback room, Chris, for just a second. With, with Deckers, and I'm hearing all the accolades too, and everybody's high in Rocco Beck and heard nothing but good things about Cook in the spring that he had. And oh, by the way, J.J. Cole is coming next year. I yeah. mean, how's that going to shake out? I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, I think the if we're all being realistic, they're not all going to stay there. Right. Right. Like, even the kid that left, the Bowman kid who's Bowman or Bowman, whose dad played for the Vikings mm-hmm. forever, he's really good, you know? But there's, it, it in this era, why, why would you stay, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can't really blame these guys, especially at that position. So I, I think that that's the easy answer. They're not all going to fit, but man, Cole... Um, <laughs> he has kind of taken off to be, you know, arguably like one of the top five, ten guys in the entire class at quarterback. And boy, what a what a coup for Campbell to have, you know, that legacy kid in the pipeline like that. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you keep them all um, unless, you know, there's some position movement or something like that. But I don't see it with Rocco because they they love him. I mean, I. God forbid something would happen to Hunter. I mean, I think that Rocco, they they kind of view him a lot like Purdy when he first came in. Like, we don't want to have to play him, but if we if we do, we we certainly can. And JJ, you know, he's going to be the highest rated quarterback that they've ever signed, and and it's not really going to be close. So, yeah, it's a it's a good problem to have, but I I just don't see realistically how they can all be on the roster in three years and. In the modern era of college football, two more, Chris. We'll let you go. Um, obviously, Mavis came in last year, and, and he was really, really good. Right, Solly was good, but it was, it was so good to have that weapon that you could count on. Um, that's a big concern, right? Because we just don't know, or, or do you? No idea. Um, multiple times I've asked, and it's going to fall camp. The, the good thing for them is they believe that they have a number of guys who can compete. The bad thing is it's like you have no idea. Like there's there's a lot of walk-ons in the mix who are preferred, that type of deal. 
The, the reason I hate it, though, is they're going to play in close games. Yep. Now, maybe that'll change a little bit with, you know, I, I do I think that it'll be a little bit of a different offense. They're going to open things up more. But it's still Campbell and Tom Manning. Like, they're still, they're not going to run, you know, the old school Art Bryles, like, <laughs> they they want to win with defense and, and, and running the football. It's still going to be that way. So it's terrifying. I mean, they've had really good punting for the most part. Um, Connor Sally wasn't perfect, but, you know, he was pretty reliable, 40 and in. And to not have that to lean on, I mean, they're either going to be going forward a lot more, which, you know, Campbell actually, if you look at his numbers, he goes forward on fourth down more often than you would think. But if you, you just watch the games and don't look at the numbers – but it's terrifying if you look at that was the difference in the last two years. They, you know, last year they just lost a bunch of one possession games where the year before they won them, you know. And if you're, you take Connor Sally, like Iowa State fans know this better than anybody. If you have a bad kicking game, you know, look at the <laughs> Iowa game last right. year. Yeah. Right? Like Iowa flipped the field twice and mm-hmm. it completely changed the game. Iowa won. And, that's how Iowa State wants to play, but if you don't have those guys, man, uh, it can be really difficult if that's the style of ball you want to play. Their biggest concern is what, Chris? Well, we just talked about one of them. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the offensive line still. They like it. They like the group. Uh, I've heard this before. I will give them the benefit of doubt because you've got a lot of juniors and seniors who – you know, have been through your program and all that stuff. But to me, especially without Brees, you know, you are breaking in a new quarterback. You don't have the tight ends, these elite tight ends that you've had. To me, that puts a lot more pressure on that group to raise its game. If it does, man, you could be – I really think they could be 7-5, and 8-4. and four. If If that group struggles, though, man – it makes Decker's job that much harder. Jairo Brock could look, you know, pretty human, I would think. I mean, Brees is really good, but, I mean, if Jairo was like this all-star, all-Big 12 guy, I think we would have seen more of him. Precisely. He played a lot, but not yeah. – right? So, like, I, I just – to me, that offensive line, like, if you if they're a 7 to a 10, Iowa State wins 7 or 8 games. If they are a, you know, injured group that's like a 3 to a 5, man, 5 or 6 wins. Mm. I, I think it's that. I think it's that. I love the defense. The D line's great. Um, the secondary is really good. The linebackers would be the hole on defense where you got some question marks. But yeah, anybody who's watched Iowa State football the last five years, it's the offensive line. Yeah, I love the fact Kobe Reader. I think he's going to really solidify that uh, linebacker group. We've seen Orion Vance over the years. Chris, so where if uh, people want to sign up for this subscription? I mean, it's got to be easy to find, right? Front page, like yeah. fanatic. Yeah, just go to the. It, we have it all over the place. Um, it's super easy. We Everything's through PayPal. It goes right through your username and password. Uh, you could also do our Patreon page, too, but those are all there together. The Patreon, people don't really it, – it's kind of confusing, but that's like if you want the content coming straight to your email as opposed to sifting through a message board. Like my dad <laughs> would prefer that. Like he doesn't want to hang out with people on the message board, right? Some people like banter. So that's kind of the difference between the two. But really, in reality, as far as the content goes, it's the same. Chris, thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we'll uh, catch up next week. Thank you, Chris Williams. 
Sounds good. Later, buddy. Yep, good to talk to you. Chris Williams. Uh, as we take a look at realignment as well as uh, the uh, upcoming roster. All right, we'll take a time out again. If you missed it, uh, the keyword for this hour was bank, bank at kxno.com. One more segment to go. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Minutes here on a Tuesday. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. The first annual Raccoon Valley Little League Charity Classic is going to be held on August the 14th at Willow Creek Golf Course. Foursomes will compete in an 18 hole scramble for prizes. Your entry fee includes balls. T-shirt, lunch, proceeds supporting Raccoon Valley Little League. If you've been, uh, if you've had uh, kids in that, if you've come through that, a uh, Raccoon Valley Little League. If you want to sign up your foursome, here's how you do so: rvllclassic at gmail dot com. rvllclassic at gmail dot com. I think we'll have somebody on from Raccoon Valley either tomorrow or Wednesday uh, to tell us more about that. Our thanks to Chris Williams. Good stuff catching up with our friend Chris Williams. Look forward to doing that on a weekly basis. So tomorrow, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, very difficult to pry some of our Iowa media contacts away from their responsibilities with Iowa being in the spotlight today. Not only do they uh, have Kirk Ferentz and then they have all the breakout sessions with the three players, uh, Merriweather, uh, Campbell, and uh, um, who's the third one? Uh, Who's the third one? Well, there's three of them that are there anyways. Um, so there, there will be busy uh, doing that. We will get with uh, we'll get with those media guys once they shake. Oh, Sam Laporte is there. Once they uh, shake clear um, tomorrow, of that so we'll we'll get a recap on you know what the three guys that are there, uh, etc. Cappy's going to join us. Get Bama back in here at some point uh, as well. Um, so that's the game plan for tomorrow. Normally at this time, you're waiting for Trent to do his circuit play of the day. Like I'm not gonna um, try and. I, I don't pay attention to the betting angles. I bet futures. That's how I like to bet. That's the only way I like to bet. Uh, very, very seldom will I actually bet a game. I don't like the return on investment. I'll try and four or five teams that I think can win the Super Bowl. And as long as, you know, whatever bet I make, if the lowest priced team wins, say I've got a 12 to 1 out there, as long as I'm going to make a little bit of money or get my money back or just lose a little bit, I'm okay with doing that because, you know, there's a pretty good chance I might have had a 30-to-1 team that um, every now now and then one of these teams cashes, right? You get a big price on this. So I don't bet game-to-game as as Trent does. But Circa Sports, they are now taking sign-ups for the Circa Millions and Circa Survivor. Uh, Trent and I are going to be out in Las Vegas. Uh, from August the 9th through the 13th. Uh, from the 7th through the 17th, however, uh, if you want to um, head out to Las Vegas, want to be participate in that, uh, there is a promo code that will get you 20% off your room rate at either Circa or their sister station, or their sister property, rather, the D. Uh, that's 20% off. Once you get to the checkout box, just insert the promo code MC20, MC20. That will get you 20% off of your... 
uh, room rate. Still looking for a couple of guys. We're going to have three entries in the Circus Survivor. That's what my plan is. I don't think you can go into this thing. And what Circus Survivor is, is you pick one NFL team to win every uh, each week. Um, and once you use that team, you can never lo- use them again. So you have to keep that in mind. Is you know because Thanksgiving is essentially its own weekend, and there's only three games. So therefore, you get to choose from the six teams, and you can't have used those teams, or you're going to be DQ'd. I don't think you can win with a single entry. So I'm putting together a little bit of a syndicate. I've got four of us right now. If you want to uh, participate, I guess just reach out to me on Twitter because I don't think. You could have a chance to win this with a single entry. So what does that mean? If we get to the uh, get to the finish, I think six teams survived the schedule last year, and all six of those teams shared uh, roughly a million dollars. So that would work, right? Your five hundred dollar investment comes back as a, a share of a uh, million dollars. We have four people in it right now, but want to get up to three in order to do that. Uh, baseball tonight. It's a decent schedule of games. The, the the main one I don't know. I don't. I know you don't want to hear this. I think it's Yankees Mets. It's the Subway Series, right? It's sold out uh, at City Field. Both teams, Yankees, obviously in first place. Mets in first place. I think these two teams are very good uh, pitching matchup. Montgomery versus uh, Walker. That's the. Best game of the night, in my opinion, locally. Minnesota goes to Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee uh, will send uh, Ethan Small, Dylan Bundy counters for the Twins. The Cardinals are in Toronto, and they're in Toronto without Arenado and Goldschmidt. Thank you for being here with me today. Murph and Andy are coming up at 1 o'clock. Of course, the Fanatics will be here at 3. Emery Songer sitting in, I believe, all week uh, for Ross as he continues on his vacation. And then Cyclone Insider tonight, the Des Moines Register show. It goes at 6. Miller and Condon, weekdays 10 to noon. Thanks for being here on 106.3 KXNO.